0: cabin broadcast.
1: This is the Lotus Bloom Podcast, and here is your host, Morgan Wiley.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Lotus Bloom Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Wiley. First up, I just want to say thank you to all of our first responders, medical staff, those still working in essential services. Your service and sacrifice does not go unnoticed, and I just wanted to say thank you. Today I'm excited to bring you an interview where I'm bringing back a special featured guest, Nicole Allen, will be with us again, and she's going to talk about all things Enneagram, because it's always a good time to learn more about ourselves and how we respond to other people and how we all see the world differently. I also have a surprise guest, and you'll get to hear from her as well. We're going to get this show on the road, but before we do, I just want to... Mention a couple things. (laughs) We wanted to bring this information to you so bad that we tried doing this interview maybe four or five times. Um, I think, with so many people working from home now, and let's be honest, all of the Netflix binging and the like, uh, I was having some internet trouble. And so it kept dropping our calls, and we struggled to get this put together, but we persevered and we did it and I'm excited for you to get the information. But that said, please forgive some of the technical issues and the sound quality issues. At one point, uh, it sounds like I disappear and to be honest, I did. I got dropped, but I wanted Nicole to keep sharing the information and so I popped back in at some point. (laughs) So just roll with it and uh, I hope that you can really hear the heart of the conversation and gain the knowledge and uh, hopefully learn something about yourself and learn a little bit about me and my co-host as well. So without further ado, here's the interview. I'd like to welcome Nicole Allen back to the show. Uh, if any of you have been following along, we got to hear about Nicole's creative journey to becoming a hairstylist back in episode four. And we had mentioned that Nicole has a passion for learning about the Enneagram. And this is something that was very big in her life as she's been um, on the road of self-discovery and growing, and so she is coming back today on the show as our resident expert in all things Enneagram. So welcome back, Nicole. Yay, thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too, get to learn more about this. And I'm super thrilled that today we're doing something a little bit different. Another friend of mine who is also interested in learning about this had an idea that maybe we could do a show together. So I'd like to introduce to you a friend of mine who you may also know from uh, her past blog, Improperly Forward, and currently her own podcast, Everything's Not Fine, Welcome to the show, Kelly Budnick. Thank
1: you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm excited you're here. Me too.
0: She is going to play our guest host today. So I'm super excited, Kel. Feel free to jump in, ask your questions. We're going to just have fun. Awesome. Thanks. Okay. So, Nicole, when I first heard about the Enneagram, My first reaction was, oh, God, not another personality test. (laughs) So my past experiences with them have not been great. Um, You know, I've taken many different tests. And my frustration with all of them has been, well, there's four boxes you can fit in or... You know, you need to be this certain thing. And I never either I just didn't test well or I never could find where I fit in those tests, whether it be, you know, the sanguine melancholy cleric phlegmatic tests or the uh, Briggs Myers or there's a multitude of tests out there. Um, And so I was always frustrated and I don't know, Kel, how you feel about this, but Mm. I was like, yeah, no, I'm okay, Thanks. Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) exactly yeah so then i've been hearing different people talk about it and nicole you especially you've been talking more about it and as friends um you know you're like you really might want to look into this and directed me toward a book that is called the road back to you by ian morgan cron and suzanne stabile Stabile. i I might be saying those wrong um so i've been reading that and as i've been getting into it, I've been fascinated to learn more about it. And so I'm super excited for you to be able to share with us. So why don't we just start very basic. What is the Enneagram? Yeah, so Morgan, as you and Kelly
2: both know, it's definitely been my same experience. Like you were saying, previous stuff where you take a test and you feel like, cool, that's good information. And, and it just sort of felt like sometimes being put on to me rather than right. um, like, okay, what do I do with this now? Like, um, you know, you're bossy or you're
0: <laughs> emotional or whatever. <laughs> right, you're like, I'm thanks, like, I knew that.
2: <laughs> cool, 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 thanks for that. Um, so for me, the Enneagram became kind of a whole different experience because the whole thing with it is it talks about our motivations rather than just our behaviors. And within our motivations, um, it's also like a big tenet of it is sort of what's best about us can also be what's worst about us, Um, which to me just rings true. Um, Mm -hmm. So the Enneagram's uh, personality typing system based on our motivations of why we do what we do um, with what I love about that is that it also is talking about ways that we can grow as people. So it's not just about behavior modification, but really about kind of learning more about ourselves and why we have knee-jerk reactions that we do. Um, and and then being able to kind of examine that with care and kindness towards ourselves first of all, But then in ways that we can understand that like, oh, not everybody sees the world the way I do. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I think is so different about it. It's about like understanding and realizing how very differently so many of us are. And none of it is bad. It's just different. And until we recognize that we don't all see the world the same way, I think we run into a lot of communication issues with everyone else um, around us. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Enneagram is based sort of generally saying there's nine distinct ways of seeing the world. And it's a tool for us to learn how to um, learn ourselves and learn others and have empathy again, first for ourselves. And then it really does sort of naturally bring an empathy towards others because we see how much people are carrying, you know, or, or their own sort of internal struggle. And we can have more kindness, um, for others in that, which I just think is cool. Yeah. Very
0: cool.
1: One of the things that, that you first said, Nicole, when you started, um, talking about the Enneagram on, Um, your Instagram stories and the lives that you've done was um, that was so impactful to me um, is that sometimes, and I, and I think you have the source for this. I don't, I'm sure, (laughs) but um, something along the lines of the, when we get to the second half of our life, what carried us through the first half doesn't necessarily, we feel that need to kind of discover more and Mm -hmm. to get us through the second half of our life, which is Mm -hmm. exactly where I am and what, Really pulled me like oh this is like some of this self discovery that I'm going through this is what I need for right now so um, that to me go along with what you're saying is that was the thing that I was like I got to do this like this yeah. I need to learn more
2: yeah and that's what I for same for me was like okay so it's the whole tenant it's um, where I heard it first was with Richard Rohr who's a, a Franciscan monk actually. But he was saying that same idea, right? Like what got us to this first half, through this first half, these skill sets and these sort of self-protective measures and, and all of these things that carried us through and got us here um, start to wear thin and they just aren't working the way that they did back before. And so it does sort of bring, to me at least, it's brought a natural need for growth And, um, and to kind of reexamine those things and either grow in those skill sets or be able to like, let some of those things go for, um, new, fresh life giving skills, uh, for the second half of life. So it's, it's been, what's been really helpful for me.
0: Yeah. That's really cool. So, question. I mean, let's pretend I know nothing and just based on what you're saying, does that mean our personalities are changing as we get older or how does what you're saying with the skill sets how I guess how does that um fit in with with our personalities from you know, as younger people, and then growing more mature with those? Sure. So for me, I see it, uh, it's kind
2: of the difference between how I've seen other personality tests, too. Um, a lot of people will say, well, don't put me in a box, right? That's yeah. what it feels like you're being told what box you fit in. Yeah. And the Enneagram, in perspective, it, it almost flips that on its e- on its end and says, the Enneagram isn't a box you're being put into, it illuminates the box you are already in. So and then ways and tools on how to get out of that. So I think when we're born, we have just sort of skill sets, knee jerk reactions, hardware that are built into us, ways that we see the world and ways we react to it. Mm -hmm. Um, With maturity, I believe it's not at all that we change personalities because we can't change how we see, but we can change what we do with what we see. Good. And that's where I feel like that maturity, you get to a point where you just want to grow more as a person. So it's about acknowledging, yeah, I do um, always do X, Y, and Z. And I keep getting the same stupid result with those Mm -hmm. actions. And I don't want to keep being stuck there. Um, And so, what is it in me that maybe. Um, I can, uh, like, take a look at and acknowledge that maybe I have some things that I can grow in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of exact, like, specific examples.
0: Um, well, I think that's helpful. I mean, maybe even as we go, if you think of examples as, you know, we just um, throw those out there. Yeah. Um, Kel, do you have any other questions before we start diving into, uh, like, the types? No, I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, Nicole, bring it on. What are, what are the types and what do they mean? Sure. Okay, so
2: there's just, there's nine different basic types. I do want to say this, that we are all three-dimensional people. So there's going to be little bits and pieces that we all relate to, but we're all kind of drawn individually towards our own specific type. Um, and we're all going to have our Mm -hmm. own flavor to that. So it's not that everyone's exactly the same, not everything is going to fit, but it's about what sort of the majority feels like, oh yeah, no, that's, that's me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is a very brief overview, Okay, but our ones, and they're just numbered. Um, it could be anything, but so there's not greater or lesser personalities. It's just a distinguishing factor. Um, But in general, our ones are known as our perfectionists or reformers. These are um, people that are most known by their inner critic and their need to be perfect and seek perfection. Um, A lot of times they want to seek perfection so that they don't have any room for anyone else to criticize them. So um, it can be like a very protective measure to do it all right. There are rule followers um, they definitely, if they're putting something together, they want to do each step exactly how it's done. And if we're missing a piece, uh, we're going to stop what we're doing. We'll find that piece, whether it's call a company or whatever. Um, these are people that also struggle because they're so inner critical. They really struggle with objectivity um, in themselves, in their own thinking. So they are. Highly critical to themselves, that can turn outward as well, um, but that's where it—it's almost like they—they they just lack that objectivity to say, "Wait, I did the best I could." Instead, it's just, "You never did enough. No matter how hard you work, it's not enough." Mm. Um, they are also, in a positive way, they're also the ones that are able to help us find ways to improve on things, whether it's a project or. System, they are the ones that really naturally can see ways that it could be improved um, to make it better. These are also our uh, present uh, time time people, so they're very good with the here and now. Um, Now is when it can be done, now is when we're going to take care of it. They're not necessarily super thinking ahead, Um, they're very planning, but they're not necessarily like way out there in the future. They really kind of do a better job right here and now. Hmm. Then we move on to our twos, which is known as the healthy. Excuse me, the helper or befriender. Hmm. These are our very nurturing, um, naturally caring people. Uh, these are people that want to help. Um, if you have a need, they want to meet it. They they have a need to be needed. Um, they also struggle with boundaries because of that. So if they've got something going on, but someone else expresses a need, they're the ones quickest to drop what they're doing for themselves and go to help the other person. Um, obviously that has pretty obvious like pros and cons <laughs> the pros, obviously they're really helpful and caring and thinking about other people. The con is that they struggle to take care of themselves at times because everyone else takes precedence. Um, these are people that definitely are thinking a majority of time about their relationships. Um, so they can kind of get almost a little obsessive in their mind, thinking about people and all of that. um, when it's really healthy for them to ask themselves, is this mine to do? That's a really healthy, um, thing to kind of bring themselves back to. Is this, is this actually my responsibility? Is this mine to fill in the gap or you know, even if I see it, is this not mine to do? So that's our twos. Then our threes are known as the achiever or the performer. These are our success oriented friends. They're probably the most type A. They are more aggressive in nature, confident, willing to stand on their own um, they want to be successful or they, at very least, they will sa- they will be satisfied at least appearing as successful. So they definitely tend to be our glass half full peeps. Um, they will spin even failure into success. Uh, they are definitely the ones to kind of spin uh, negative into like, but here's how we're going to grow. They also are ones that read the room really strongly. So they're really quick to want to give you what you want. Um, if that means kind of morphing a little bit personally to fit your needs, they will do that. So then we're on to fours, which is known as the individualist or the romantic. And our fours are definitely ones that have all the feels. They um, contend towards being pretty moody. They have so many emotions kind of coming at them all day. They don't always know which one to go with. Um, But these are our friends that are also, obviously, they're very creative. Um, They are also very comfortable in sort of the bottom half of emotion. So they can definitely have a pension towards melancholy um, and all of that. They also experience an inner critic. And I don't think it's as much about being perfect or doing everything just so perfectly, but it definitely seems to be much more personal and like, like attacking just the individual. <laughs> um, but they are ones that struggle sometimes with the doing. So they're real good starters of projects, very creative, um, excited, but they can definitely struggle to like finish um, a project. And they also tend to have sort of a general sense of um, feeling like they're missing something like, everybody else is possessing this sort of unnamed quality that they feel like somehow they just don't have, um, which is really challenging. Like that that's, and actually I have a lot of empathy for because
0: um, that would just be such a challenge. But that's our fours. I'm going to just interrupt you for a minute. I have a question about the titles of these um, or the names of these numbers. Why is The romantic the same as the individualist to me, they don't seem to be the same thing, but
2: yeah, so I don't know who named them, but um, I do know that it's just alternate names. But the romantic fits the fours because again, they're so emotional and creative that, um, think of like sort of that picturesque super romantic, like, here's all the ways I love you. Let me sing you a song to tell you, you know, or the like, these are also, and and I have close friends that will do this. I'm having a hard time. Read this poem. It tells you how I feel. So it's just sort of that very emotionally connected, expressive, um, kind of picture. So it's just sort of another aspect, I think, of that four.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. I am not that friend, in case you were wondering. I <laughs> am not either.
2: <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, and then, funny enough, when we switch to the five, the five, uh, it's like it takes a hard left turn. So, the five is called the investigator. And these mm. are our friends that are very different than the four. They're very logical, they're really good observers and listeners. Um, These are people that are very aware of their own limited amount of energy. So Hmm. they have sort of just a solid amount of energy every day and that's all they get. So Hmm. because they are aware of that within themselves, they like to plan and know what's ahead because they want to make sure they're conserving enough energy for it. Um, So these are not our big party people. These definitely are people that prefer uh, certainly a lot of alone time but also that um, prefer much more of the one-on-one or a very small group, Um, they're called the investigator because they definitely have a need for knowledge. So it can be really deep things, or it can just be like, I wonder how my VCR worked back in the day. And like, (laughs) they can sort of get... Super random example, but they can get really <laughs> lost down like their rabbit hole. So, these, um, we all have known been known to get stuck on Pinterest for like way longer than we meant, but sure. there are people that can, like, holy sh- sh- crap, like 10 hours later. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to be a family. <laughs> <Good save>. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, they're just they're funny that way, they they definitely want to know what they're talking about. Um, They will do tons of research before making a decision. What's cool is once they've done the research and they come to a decision, they do really trust themselves, which is a big marker for them compared to some other types Um, because they've really exhaustively like gotten all the knowledge that they can, so they feel confident when they do make a decision. So they don't come to decisions quickly, but once they do, they feel good about them and and confident in them.
0: Huh. I am not that either. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Me neither.
1: <laughs> so when you say they know this about themselves, that they have a limited amount of energy to give any one day. Mm-hmm. Like if, if this is not a person who's aware of the Enneagram or, you know, they're not a very self-aware person, I mm-hmm. like how does that how does that come out? Like they're just more of an introvert. And so maybe their gut just does this automatically, Yes, you know, they limit Mm -hmm. their output or whatever, but it's, they don't know why they just.
2: Right. So mostly in the same ways that I can relate in other ways, I think that they, it's like how they've operated without having words to define it. Mm -hmm. So um, I know some that have just said, I just, I prefer observing. I, um, definitely feel exhausted with big groups. Um, mm-hmm. I just, you know, sort of, I feel really aware that I'm just more tired. I don't, I'm, I'm more mm-hmm. introverted. I need more alone time. Like, I think those are things under other, other definitions that people tend to know about themselves. If they don't have those words, they've certainly felt it. Yeah. Um, So I do
0: that. Um, Okay, so then, and maybe this is a question we can answer later. But Mm -hmm. I'm curious then how the introvert extrovert plays into these. Yeah. Yeah. If can you be an introvert and you know any of the numbers, or is Mm -hmm. it kind of more leaned towards? certain ones.
2: So I certainly think that there is a pension, but I, I think that you could be an introvert or an extrovert in any of these numbers. And that's part of what makes it interesting. And what also keeps it from, from being like, you're, you're all robots. If you're this number, you're all exactly the same. Like, like totally we're not, you know, and it's what kind of gives everyone their own flavor.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah. So, um, So that's our fives anyway. Okay. Um, Okay. If we go on to our sixes, they are called the loyalist. And the most important for sixes is they want to feel secure. So these are definitely our friends that tend towards always kind of viewing the world in a somewhat anxious and worst case scenario thinking. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that go into new scenarios and go, hold on. Let's make sure we're taking, you know, what's safe, what's not. Let's be really careful. Um, I had just heard somebody recently, my daughter and her friend were talking and she, her friend identifies this way. And she said, I um, am leery of people and I believe you are guilty until proven innocent. (laughs) This her perspective. And it was funny because I think that's about that. Like, yeah, we'll see, you know, until you yeah. prove yourself sort of. And that's a little bit part of that personality type. Hmm. My daughter was laughing because she's completely on the opposite end. She's like, you are innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> they're a good balance for each other. But <laughs> um, but yeah, these are definitely um, people that really have a hard time making decisions um, because unlike the fives, they will keep questioning and questioning and questioning and kind of keep hemming and hawing over the same thing and just really struggle to actually trust themselves ever or trust their decision. They're kind of always second guessing. Um, and again, it's always with that in service to wanting security is, are, am I sure that's the best decision? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to get more information and, They just kind of can um, get stuck sometimes in that little bit of hamster wheel of Mm -hmm. fear and anxiety and just kind of go over and over. I did hear a funny story about sixes, though, that also shows their worth and value um, to us as a whole. Uh, There was a, a group of scientists studying a family grouping of apes in the jungle And they took all of the apes that had awareness, almost like hyper-awareness to the other, like they'd always be on the lookout for predators and, and ones that just seemed more sort of like anxious, and they decided to separate them out from the group. And so they pulled those apes away from that family grouping, and they let that family go for a whole year without those particular apes. And when they went back to check on the family grouping, they all had died. Oh, (laughs) sounds so terrible. But I think what it proves is that we actually do need the people in our lives that have awareness to danger because um, and and have some awareness of like, "Mm, we should think about that. Let's consider being more cautious. Like if (laughs) if everyone was all the same, right, we probably wouldn't survive as as a species. (laughs) So
0: interesting, yeah. Isn't that
2: kind of fascinating? I I just think that's such a like good reminder not to. For those that aren't sixes, sometimes I can speak for myself. It can be a little frustrating (laughs) if someone is, you know, highly just kind of anxious all the time or right. always seeing the like, oh, I don't think we should do that. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, a little. yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, let go, man. Uh, they, but they do have some points and especially with the yeah. situation. Of course we find ourselves in now. These are our people that are saying, huh? No, don't get together with her with your friends. Like stay mm-hmm. home. <laughs> like, yeah. Do some of these basic things, and that can really help us all. Um, So, they certainly have their value. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Again, with a sharp right turn, we go on to our sevens, who are called the enthusiasts. And these are, again, a more aggressive, um, you know, forthright personality. They like their name. Uh, they like fun and they like to have a good time. They're definitely more adventure seekers. They are not always comfortable. They don't really prefer to sit and talk about our feelings. Uh, they really like, they're good with the top half of feelings. They're good with the joy and the fun and the funny. Um, they tend to want to kind of always make things lighthearted, which again has its gifting. But sometimes um, if they have feelings that are maybe not a part of that, they have some more melancholy or true grief or struggling, Mm -hmm. they can almost get a little frantically busying themselves um, on trying to distract from Mm -hmm. feeling maybe what they what they are kind of going through. Yeah, Um, these are. Definitely ones that have that general sense if a lot, if a little is good, a lot is better. So they're they're what I've uh, come to call with a friend of mine the crab add ons. So, like, let's go out to dinner, let's have steak, definitely get the crab add on. Like, (laughs) the party platter, like, why would you do less? Um, and they are also the ones that are, you're at the fun thing and they are wanting to plan the next fun thing. Um, sometimes they can struggle to also get nailed down. Like if you're talking about a party that you're going to have or like, Hey, we should go do this. They'll be like, yeah, that sounds fun sometime. And you'll be like, well, how about like next Wednesday? And they'll be like, well, we'll see. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes is because, if they've committed and they're locked in, what if something more fun comes along, then they're missing the more fun thing. Right. Huh. So, um, yeah, they're just funny like that. So, and of course, like there's like less healthy versions and more healthy versions, certainly as our sevens grow and become to the more of that midlife, they get a little more comfortable with their feelings and, and with themselves and, and can be happy, um, you know, in in what they're doing, but I think it takes some intentionality with that too. Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, then we could actually move on to eights, also known as the challenger. Well, I'm an eight, and I would like to
1: say that. Um... <laughs> You're such a brat. <laughs> you
2: a challenger? Eights are people too. Okay. That's right. <laughs> eights have feelings. They're just dubbed down. <laughs> we have feelings and we're good people. Yes, you
0: are. Please that proceed. Is- yes.
2: <laughs> so our eights are um, definitely they're in that aggressive stance. So they're um, confident to stand independently they are definitely ones that experience anger, sort of in its true form. If they're ticked, they're ticked, and they will let you know it. Uh, they definitely—it's um, almost like their go-to emotion. And oftentimes, you have we have to remind our eights that anger is not the only emotion. And <laughs> <laughs> that's really rude. All rude things that you're saying. Rude, but they are also our awesome advocates. So they are the ones that will stand up for the underdog. They are lovers of justice. And if um, you have an eight as a parent or a spouse, you are in good hands because they will definitely speak for those that need that and need that advocate voice. Um, Cause they're not going to, they're not going to be pushed around. So they have a lot of value and benefit for sure. Um Eights are also very future oriented, so they're definitely much more comfortable thinking about what's up ahead um, and kind of looking to that and not so much dealing with uh, the right now or the past uh, that's a little more uncomfortable for them. Typically, they definitely with the feelings as our other aggressive stance numbers, um, their feelings repressed. So again, most comfortable feeling they are um, in is experiencing anger first and sort of that passionate exchange brings a sense of closeness a lot of times with those eights. Like they've had a good tussle and they feel closer to that person, which is not always everyone else's experience, but that that can pay for them. That's interesting, huh? Yeah.
0: Sorry.
2: The only other one that I would say, no, you're good. The only other one I would say is that for eights, because they are, they are good leaders. They're happy to lead. They're pretty confident that they could do it better. Uh, they, they don't have to always be in the lead position, but if they aren't, they just don't want to be controlled by someone else. So they don't have to Mm. be in control of the group, but they don't want anybody else in control of them. Um, and then relationally with, with eights, the struggle can definitely be that they're kind of always on the lookout for betrayal. And so, Mm. Um, and it's just kind of a natural tendency. And so Aids do don't tend to have um, a huge group of really close friends. They'll definitely have lots of people in their life. But as far as the ones that they confide in or have um, vulnerable times with, that's a lot harder for our eights. And so um, understanding that and giving them room for that and asking again with our feelings repressed you know, how are, how are you feeling? What does that make you feel like? That would be hard. You know, um, especially if anger comes first, that's okay. Don't let it push you off, but kind of explore some of that. If you are a closer, you know, spouse or somebody, close friend, that can
0: be a helpful tool
2: for loving our eights.
0: Uh, quick question. So yeah. you said that they are tend toward um, looking for betrayal, but... So that doesn't have to come out of a past necessarily of distrust. It could just be their natural tendency. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. So they're just because that they're so quick, they're quick minded. Um, So if you've crossed them or if they've, if there's something that they view and it's their perspective of being betrayed or talked against or, or something there that's sort of just a natural, like knee jerk reaction is to like, it's betrayal. You're done. And it's really tough when you've been fully cut off to ever fully regain. I I do believe it's totally possible, but um, it's not without a lot of intentionality on the part of the eight and a lot of intentionality and care and pursuit on the other party's hmm. part. So um, yeah, I certainly if you've ex- when you've experienced betrayal and you've experienced things, it's definitely you know also helps and <laughs> makes it easier to assume betrayal. But um, for our eights, it's definitely a little bit more of a natural assumption, whereas you know maybe others would see it as. No, they were just a jerk and they screwed up or (laughs) they were selfish. Like for, for the eights, it can feel like a betrayal. Um,
1: Like it jumps to an extreme kind of. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I can see that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's our challenger in a sum. And then we're on to nines, the peacemaker.
0: Okay. This is me. I think. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
2: Which Morgan was resistant to the peacemaker term. Um, So we also call it the bridge builder.
0: See, I can handle the bridge builder. I don't know why I have an issue with being a peacemaker. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) So I think, I think
0: the the thing
2: to me with the nines to think about in that peace peacemaker sort of defines it as like, to me, that they want to keep the peace within. So nines have sort of two layers. They have like an internal piece they want to maintain, and then they have external piece that they also want to maintain, like no conflict. Obviously, conflict avoidant is sort of the
0: biggest part of that. I don't know uh, what you're talking about. <laughs> no, <place. laughs> Yes.
2: Yeah. And, and in service of that piece, they have a natural ability to see perspectives from everyone else's perspective. So you are really good at being able to like hear people's opinions and go, OK, I can see that. That makes sense. And then hear someone else's sort of contrary. And you can see where they're coming from with that, too. So always mm-hmm. the ability to play the devil's advocate, um, uh, which is a beautiful gift. It, it can make making decisions challenging because you can always see the other side. And mm-hmm. so that can be part of what is so difficult when, when it comes down to like actually making a decision for our nines um, because there's too many voices, mm. <laughs> like too many sides, too many possible ways. And, you know, and again, in, in service to not wanting to cause conflict. So sometimes you can feel almost a little hostage to, like, I don't want
0: anybody to be bad. I want it to work for everybody. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Um, also, nines can be, they are on the uh, doing repressed side of things. So the law of motion, which I find so fascinating, but so true with our nines, its it's the law of motion. If they've stopped doing, it's super hard to get started. But once they get started, and sometimes we need, they need a little bit of help to get started because, but once they do, man, they're like the the train engine that just keeps chugging along. Like they can go and go and go and go. It's <laughs> pretty amazing. Cool. Do
1: you see yeah. that, Mark? Do you see that in yourself? Yeah,
0: I think so. And I, I'm curious, and I think this will lead into the next part, but I'm curious how the wings influence these different things also. Um, But yeah, I I do. Sometimes I have a really hard time getting going, Um, you know, if I, especially if I feel overwhelmed by a project or Mm -hmm. um, I will probably do all kinds of little dumb things that I can feel accomplished with just so I don't start that one.
2: (laughs) So that's a perfect example of the doing repressed because it doesn't mean you don't do anything. It's just so easy to do the unproductive things rather than the thing that needs to be done. And sometimes I think it's also hard for nines to differentiate what's more important. Like I know, so Aaron is, my husband is a nine and actually so is my daughter and she was just saying the same thing. Like she gets, she's so easily distracted and it's really hard for her to differentiate like what's most important so they mm-hmm. can kind of fixate on the the new, we call it Ushiny syndrome at our yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, you so can fixate over on one thing. And then you're like, okay, but that's still not the priority. Let's come back to what needs to be done. And then go ahead and do that. Yeah, so that can be sometimes the challenge. Uh, the only other thing, well, there's two things I w- else I wanted to mention about the nines before we move on. which sure. is Nines definitely are still in that anger triad. So they experience anger, but nines tend to be the ones that shove that anger down. So if they feel it, they want to shove it down because they don't want to deal with it. So most typically, it will come out a little bit sideways and more in that like passive aggressive um, kind of way rather than in a straightforward kind of way. Mm -hmm. And I will say it also maturity brings uh, some of those things up where, you know, by the time we're the age we are. We're better at that. We're better at addressing like okay, that really bothered me. I need to go back. but it's definitely a natural tendency to shove down
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, And then the only other one I wanted to mention is that because nines are so focused on their those two layers of peace, it's again with that distractibility, it's really common for nines to kind of get off while they're in a conversation, get off track on a rabbit trail in their own mind and suddenly discover that they haven't really heard what's been happening um <laughs> in conversation and they have a really good autopilot response like oh uh huh yeah totally but but they i am now been...
1: also a nine
2: i have decided. <laughs> so that leads to that leads to our wings which when morgan asked about the wings so wings are um what other Things we have access to, but you only have access to the numbers that directly, like, are on either side of your number. So an eight would have either a seven wing or a nine wing. So hmm. it's very possible, Cal, that you may have some of those habits. Yeah. Um, and can and you then do both. Time, you can, especially as we get into middle age and beyond. Typically. Okay. In our earlier years, we tend to only have one side that we're more in than the other. Um, And it's certainly to varying degrees. So some have just a little bit and others have quite a heavy wing. Um, Hmm. The one thing I think that's important to remember is that our wings are that's the wing is only about our behaviors. It's not how we're motivated. We are still only motivated by our number, but we definitely have access to those um, tendencies as far as some of those behaviors or, or actions. So
1: that that does, let me ask you a question to see if it does make sense. So this is something I see that I will, um, as a challenger, I, one thing that I see myself doing a lot is like, acting as a peacemaker or, or a bridge builder, but doing it in a way that a challenger would do it. Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: my motivation may, or, well, I don't know. i I'm wanting to find a way to build a bridge, but it comes out in a way <laughs> that is not going to build a bridge. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So Aaron, you are going to build this bridge and you're going to build it right now. <laughs>
1: Everybody get on the bridge.
0: No. Yes, yes.
2: It totally makes sense because I think you see and it's whether it's adulthood or yeah. whatever, but like balance says, okay, we need to we need to work together. But there's mm-hmm. still gonna be that a little bit more forcefulness because yeah. that's still just your natural tendency. So Aaron's the opposite of you. He's a nine with an eight wing. And so he will occasionally like we were laughing not too long ago, he got himself into a, where he had been um, definitely doing the passive aggressive, shove all the anger down. And then of course it comes to a head and it just like mm-hmm. explodes. And literally he was so like, he was almost crumpled in a ground on the ground afterwards. Oh. Cause he's like, he felt horrible. Like oh. it's a quick explosion. And then it's like, okay, I'm done. But then he's like, the friggin' eight wing is making me have to do so much work because <laughs> like I just exploded all over and now it's going to take me weeks to undo this like <laughs> meanness <laughs> or whatever, like
0: aggressive. And so he's like so conflicted, poor guy. That's, oh, that's funny.
2: And so I think it can be similar on the other way around for you. Probably Cal is where you can yeah. experience that. Definitely it's more forceful, but also like, wait, <laughs> what's... <laughs> work together
1: <laughs> yes yeah it's yeah it feels I don't it's very interesting because I don't know if everybody I mean Nicole you're what number are you Nicole
2: I'm a three a three
1: so you are yeah
2: I, I'm it in just an feels, aggressive stance yeah yes
1: It feels weird to me that my eight tendencies are so conflicting with what
2: I picture a nine to be. Like, that seems very strange to me. So it's one of the hardest um, combinations is that eight with a nine or nine with an eight because they are so opposite. Mm. It is is sort of that inner conflict can be so, so strong um, at times because of that, just because they are so very different.
1: Yeah. So, like for for Mark,
2: she's a nine, there's no 10. So, what so would her I'll go back to the one? Yeah, good question. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that is a good question. So, it's a circle, and nine is at the top. And so, hers would be either an eight or a one. And remember that one is that more perfectionistic, more systems oriented, more, um, a little bit more black and white thinking. Um, definitely. You know, orderly, and um, just mm-hmm. kind of see how we can, you know,
0: do it right. And yeah. Uh, so, which would you think I I tend towards? Uh, one. There's no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have. To, well, tell me what you really think, there, challenger. <laughs>
1: Nicole may be the expert, I'm, but I'm saying you're a
0: one. <laughs> no,
2: no. I see because so for me, I still want to be liked. So I'm like, how do I say this nicely? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I would say a one probably is your pension.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I was leaning towards thinking. Um, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah.
2: Which
1: is awesome. All oh, great qualities. They are. Absolutely. And And the the beautiful part positives in it, which, yes, some numbers, it seems to me, it's a little harder to find, like for an eight, for an example, it's harder to put a positive spin on some of those things. But, you know, it's necessary.
2: Absolutely. It is. And we all each type really does have their strong suit. And it still comes back to the same thing. What's best about us can be what's worst about us. So it's Mm -hmm. like two sides of the same coin, right? Like the advocate, the, the it takes that ability to stand independently and be forceful to yeah. get stuff done. Like sometimes that's the only way you're going to actually be heard and have someone look at things and really deal. So it takes those qualities to be a good advocate.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: and yet it can be both sides can be, you know, challenging.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: It's amazing to me, like, If you, I don't, I mean, everybody has their beliefs or opinions about Mm -hmm. how we're created or whatever, but like I have kids who have special needs or extra needs. So it is like one of the most important qualities I have as a mom is for my kids is to be an advocate for them. Um, And so it's just amazing to me. I was born this person way before I have my kids, but I have that ability that they Mm -hmm. so desperately need. Um, which I think is incredible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: it's very true. It's pretty cool when you start thinking about that. Even Mark's qualities
1: as, um, as a seven and as a one are so necessary for, um, the things that you do in your life and the gifts that you have. I mean, we can say one came, you know, which one came first, but, mm-hmm. um, they play such a huge part in the path that our life takes. It's, it's really cool.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it really, it really is. And I think looking at the whole picture and, you know, especially with like you used, you know, parenting, but in relationships, in um, friendships, our work environment, all, all these yeah. places, if we can have more of an understanding of ourselves, but of the people around us and have grace to allow people to be who they are, you know, now if somebody's being a jerk, you can't just excuse and say, oh, they're just being an eight right now. No, right, right. <laughs> you know, we all we all need to grow and, uh, you know, find yeah. our better qualities. But I just think it's really cool to see that whole picture. Um, it's neat.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the whole thing, right? It's It's not an excuse for bad behavior. Right. But it is helpful to understand, oh, you actually see the world completely differently than I do. And so, um, yeah. not only can I have room for that, but I also can learn and grow from that, and yeah. and maybe have better perspective on like, gosh, if that's how you see the world, then this experience that we both had interaction together probably came off so differently, and I, you know whether especially if there is some kind of a conflict or something like, it's helped me so much depending on who I'm talking to to understand. Like, oh, maybe that's why they shut down,
1: yeah. right?
2: Maybe that's why they're. I'm like not hearing anything from them. And so to be able in relationships, especially closer relationships, to go back and say, okay, I am, you know, sometimes it's, I'm sorry. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, you know, how did that make you feel? Um, because I want you to know my intention was this, mm-hmm. but I could also see where maybe that made you feel shut down. Yeah. or um whatever and so for us aggressive numbers to be able to have more self-awareness and go okay you know um like i need to check myself <laughs> and maybe listen and yeah. then the other is to be able to say um you know for for like the morgans to be able to go okay don't take their passion personally like right. as much as you can mentally to be able to say like, okay, she's feeling passionate. I need to not take this personal because I, in this moment, it's not actually personal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Uh, Steven and I were having a conversation about some of this stuff and I just found it so interesting and one for myself to learn that I'm not, there's not something <laughs> wrong with me or, no but that other people experience these same um, characteristics of a nine and so I was sharing with him how he's um I don't remember which number he is but he's in one of the aggressive stances and when he talks he's very impassioned and it gets louder and the tone is strong and I'm yeah. like stop yelling at me yeah <laughs> but it's not at me it's not personal but yes. to me it's like everything gets louder and and apparently that's a nine thing and I didn't realize that so it's very mm-hmm. kind of interesting
2: Absolutely. Which is so helpful. Aaron and I consistently have that conversation now um, where there's all sorts of things. He's so quick to like, oh, wouldn't that be cool? We should go on this trip. Oh, we should do this on our house. Oh, we should whatever. (laughs) And he's just like he sees it. He says it. It's just an idea. And he literally is not attached to them. It's just like, wouldn't that be cool? We should. And I go into go do mode. So I'm like, Oh my God, now he wants to do that. How am I supposed to make that happen? Like I immediately am like trying to figure out how to make it happen. And he's going to be really mad if I can't figure it out. And like, he has all this expectation. And then, you know, I'm like way down this trail and he's like, what just happened? (laughs) (laughs) And it's been so helpful to understand that about each other, you know, that there's just sort of those tendencies. And so to be able to, whether it's for him to preface, Hey, I'm just spitball. And I just thought someday, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or for me to say, uh, okay, when you say that, do you want me to figure out how I'm supposed to do that? Cause this is all that's going on in my mind about that. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, You know, so it's really becomes quite the time saver, honestly. And it's like <laughs> becomes shorthand of what, yeah. you know, could have been, You know, I think we would have eventually gotten there. We certainly did before we knew the Enneagram anyway, growth happened, um, but we didn't have the same verbiage for it. And so it's like we got there, but we took the long route, whereas now it feels like it gives us a little bit more shorthand to understand what's all going on. And I know I've referenced um, for myself, even with some of this whole Corona virus situation, I can get in an anxiety space and like start freaking out about the future. And he is able to now know like, okay, are you just like too far out there? Like come back to now. (laughs) And it's such a helpful like reminder to like, okay, I can't control a year out, but I can do right now. Just come right here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's so helpful to bring peace for me, you know, when it'd be so easy to just spin out as an example. Yeah.
1: I'm thinking how many years of, (laughs) could have been saved. Like
2: (laughs) if you've just known the shorthand in the beginning, that would have been so great. Seriously. It's so true. (laughs) It's what, it's why I like my kids being interested and learning because that's my hope, right? We always want our kids to be able to Mm be, go farther than we did. And, um, and so for example, our oldest is a two, and, um, he is so relational and he's 18. And so for mm. him to learn like, Hey, you got to be careful. Cause you are so, your pension is to need to be needed. Mm-hmm. Right. And he acknowledges that he's the one that sees that. Yeah. Um, and so like talk about the ability to be super codependent if you're not aware. Yeah. And especially in a teenage like time of life, yeah. um, So it's been such a huge thing. And whether your kid is a two or not, I think that's obviously a pension, but to have Mm -hmm. more words for how to like talk about it and let's be sure that we're, you know, asking, is this mine to do is a good question for our twos. But I think it's also a good question if they're in that, like, you know, let's not, we can't save, we can't save everyone, (laughs) like, especially in that, like your love is not going to save that person. So let's like pull back. (laughs) but for him I think it's been such a helpful thing for him to know about himself and then he's been able to acknowledge some things and ways when he's you know things are getting a little too intertwined and then you know when he can know how to pull back or you know have better boundaries or whatever so
0: yeah yeah no that's great
1: Yeah, you mentioned having tools in your backpack or your tool belt earlier, Mm -hmm. and that's, like, so great to give our kids. That's one of the, like, just a a knowledge of yourself and how you operate is probably one of the best tools we can give our kids for their tool belt. Yes, yep.
2: Yep. Mm -hmm. And, and to me, I think if it's just qualities, we see whether they're this specific number or not, who cares when they're young, like, but we can still help give them tools to where they're at. So, um, you know, without having to put them into a, like, oh, that means you're this, um, and you can only be this, you know, it's like, who cares, but Hey, okay. You're a passionate person and your passion is coming out very loud. (laughs) And to other people, that feels angry. So I'm going to need you to pull back. And I know it's passion, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and you get to be passionate, but realize that how this is how it affects other people. Yeah.
0: In light of that, is there a best age to determine these traits in, in our kids? So I think we as parents certainly will recognize
2: tendencies. I think some things are more obvious than others. Uh, So I think that we can speak to some of the tendencies, whatever number it falls into, I think we can start giving them helpful tools along the way, no matter what, um, at any age. But I think certainly that mid-teen, you know, time to older teen, when they have a little more self-awareness, tests are tough because it's so easy to answer how you want to be rather than how you actually are, which uh, we adults have that trouble sometimes, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, I did. But certainly the younger we are, I think it's so much easier to answer the way, the, the, you know, the way that we wish we were or that yeah. we'd like to be or that we think we are, Um, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's the that's the danger to me. I still think the listening to what each type is or reading a book or talking with people, there's so much more life um, available those ways than just some test. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there are some decent ones out there that at least can kind of give you like, Oh, you should investigate these three numbers and see, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, so at least kind of helps tear down or certainly other people that know the Enneagram, um, pretty well, but you know, it's, it's kind of depends on the kid. I think, I think it depends on You know, their maturity and where they're at, I'm sure younger, if they're really mature, might be able to glean some. But, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and I think, I mean, you mentioned tools for helping them learn how to navigate life and their reactions. But I think it's also super helpful for us as their parents to know how to help guide them and train them and, you know, to be able to speak into – say one, one kid is a two and one kid is a seven. I mean, you're going to respond to them totally different,
2: Yeah, 100%. you know, in,
0: in whichever ways you're, you're helping them. So I think that's good to know. Cause I think sometimes it's, uh, maybe an easy tendency is just, you just parent your kids all the same way because that's how you parent. Well, that may not be the best scenario for each kid.
2: Yeah. Or it's super easy to parent how you would have wanted to be then parented sure, sure. or how you were or how you, you right. know, ourselves, which is why I still think the best thing we can do first is learn ourselves mm-hmm. because it's even given me verbiage to be able to, um, I'm going to say a cheesy thing, but humble myself when I am spinning out, like, I'm sorry, I, this is what's going on with me right now. And that's where I came out of a reaction of fill in the blank and so, um, can I have 10 minutes and then revisit this conversation yeah. or whatever? And I think even it being an example of knowing ourselves becomes a really good example for our kids that that's, you know, something that they too can, can do.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really good. So, um, I have a question about resources. I mean, everything, well, 90% of What I know about Enneagram, I have learned from you, Nicole, either on your Instagram um, videos that you do or just in personal conversations. But what would you suggest um, are the best resources like to dive a little deeper or to get more knowledge for me? But also, is there something
2: different for kids than adults Mm. or, you know, good question. Yeah. I don't know that they, there's not a lot of recommendation for kids to get into it yet. Yeah. Um, Just because they're the self-awareness and they're still growing, right? Like they're right. hormonal and trying <laughs> stuff out and, you know, feelings come a dime a dozen. And so it, you just, it, it's it's a little early for them to like dive in probably um the deep end yeah. uh, again, when they're still trying to figure out sort of who they are, how they think, or or differentiate that between them and their friends or, or whatever.
1: Um,
2: but for us, I mean, my first go-to book is always The Road uh, the road Back to You and, uh, by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabil. I think it's a great first step, just sort mm-hmm. of an introduction, a little deeper than what we talked about today. Um, and just has such a great heart and spirit about it, about how, I, you know, we're all made so... Um, individually, too, and to be able to have empathy and and celebrate those differences. Mm -hmm. Um, Suzanne wrote another book after that called The Path Between Us. And that's Mm -hmm. really good about interrelational between the different numbers and sometimes the struggles that will happen um, depending on, you know, your type and then who you're interacting with and, and some of those things, which was cool and really good. Um, there's also her, Suzanne Stabile has a great podcast that I really like to listen to and she's such a great teacher. Hmm. So it's called the Enneagram journey. Great. And I love that one too. There is an app called Ennea app and I think it's a couple dollars for the full thing. Um, which I like just on my phone as information, but I don't find it to be as in depth. It feels a little one note for me sometimes. So, um, you know, it's not the only, but it's just kind of a fun in your hand, um, resource too. Sure. Mm
1: -hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Nicole, do you have any ending thoughts in overview of everything that you've mentioned? We've talked about a lot of things. If, uh, no one heard anything else, but this parting thought, what would you share about the Enneagram? Oof, no pressure. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, Well, I would say that the Enneagram is just one tool. That we are all three-dimensional people and we've all had a lot of different life experiences that we bring into all of that. Um, So Mm -hmm. even if you identify as a nine or a one or whatever, um, you are still your own person. That is not a limiting thing. It's uh, I can't remember if I described this or not, but to, to me, the Enneagram is not a box that we're putting ourselves into, but instead illuminating the box that we've been standing in and how um, tools and how we can get out of that box. Mm-hmm. So um, to me, that's very freeing. Yeah. Um, and, and in my mind, this is not just like, okay, here's your homework, here's your work to do. Um, I, for me, it's come very naturally. Um, whether it's experiencing a little more grace for myself, right where I'm at, in the moment that I am and being able to kind of laugh at myself when I see it, um, or just, you know, like, have a little empathy. Um, but then also being able to see really kindly uh, moments that I go, Oh, my God, I'm doing it again. <laughs> like, <laughs> stop. Um, and being able to start to see those things, and they come very naturally, I really feel like, The most healthy and um, real growth ways come uh, just it's allowing the process and allowing it to come to you rather than like forcing some behavior modification um, to be better. Dang it. You know, (laughs) it (laughs) doesn't really work. It's just not helpful, just adds more stress, and nobody needs that. So, um, you know, and again, with other people, it's, it's not a weapon to use against them. It's a, it's a way to encourage and love others, um, obviously to be better, but also to just understand that we all see the world so differently. So, yeah. um, and, and there's such beautiful gifts in that. So, yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's really good. Uh, Kelly, do you have any further questions or thoughts you'd like to add? Um, I don't. I don't have anything.
1: I mean, this has been so wonderful to like just get the overview. Nicole and I are actually talking about um, her coming on to my podcast um, yeah. with with um, my co-host, another Nicole, um, to kind of talk mm-hmm. more in depth, just as far as how this our podcast is primarily about families and uh, the inner workings of families and things like that. So um, Mm -hmm. we really want to pick her brain and go a little bit deeper as far as how all of this applies in interpersonal relationships and families. So that's probably where I will really ask all my probing questions. But this, like, so good for me to have just the overview and the explanations on a different level. So enlightening. I love it. It just gets my wheels turning. So thank you for that, Nicole. Absolutely. I love it.
0: Yes, it's been fantastic. Thank you, Nicole. If people want to learn more, you have on your, see, I think Kelly mentioned it, but on your Instagram, you have some IG videos where you go further in detail on each number, correct? I do. Yep. And where would people find that?
2: So if you just go to my Instagram account, it's called Nicole with three. And I believe it's public now. And so if you on my page, go to the IG videos tab, you'll see all of them that I've made. And I kind of made a pre, you know, how I came into things. And then I go through each type and each one of them are about 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. Um, and I'll make sure and we'll add that in the show notes. And that is Nicole with three, the, the number three, not spelled out. That's correct. Yep. Thank you. And I have never had a co-host before. So it was super fun having Kelly on the show with me today. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Kel, would you take just, uh, you kind of just mentioned it, but would you mention what your podcast is called? How do people find you? Where do you want them to look?
1: Sure. Um, So the podcast is called Everything's Not Fine. um, And you can find it Pretty much everywhere you would listen to a podcast. And um, we are on Instagram uh, as Everything's Not Fine Pod. And I personally am on Instagram under Improperly Forward. So um, those three places all share information back and forth. But um, those are primarily, and we just, like I said, we're just a podcast talking about. everything's not fine. Doesn't necessarily sound very encouraging, but (laughs) it's, (laughs) it's meant to be encouraging in, uh, that life happens and it's not always, you know, just a picture perfect life. Sometimes everything's not fine and that that's okay.
0: But you guys have a way of really putting humor on it and adding Mm -hmm. a fun spin and just being raw and real and, uh, you have a great chemistry together with uh, Nicole Gonzalez, and so it's it's fun.
1: Thank you. It's been quite the adventure and quite a lot of self discovery and fun. So it's I appreciate that you that you see that. Thank you for validating me. <laughs> I really just want to extend a bridge to you. Yes, that's I, <laughs> I will cross the bridge.
2: I will not set it on fire cool thank you i appreciate that my work here is done guys
0: (laughs) oh Oh, this is awesome (laughs) (laughs) all right well i'm not even sure what else to say after that it's the perfect ending
1: that's right